0: Well, I'd like to welcome you to the Rock Community Church tonight for our Good Friday service as as we celebrate the message of the cross. And as we gather together, I can't think of a better place to be as we thank the Lord for the cross. We've just been singing amazing love, how can it be? thou, my God, should die for me. Who am I that God's son, he would leave heaven's throne and come to this earth and die for our sins? Who are we? that he demonstrated such great love but in God's eternity past even before the foundation of the world God the Father had a divine plan that he would send his only begotten son to this earth at exactly the right hour at exactly the right time to die for our sins, that we can have an abundant life, we can have the joy, and we can have eternal life for all that place their faith in Him. And that's why we celebrate tonight. And when God's Son came to this earth, the scriptures tell us that they called Him Jesus, for He shall save His people from their sins. He will be called the Christ, the Messiah. The anointed one. Jehovah. Emmanuel. Which being interpreted is God with us. He is wonderful. He is the counselor. He is the mighty God. He is almighty. He is the prince of peace. He is the lamb of God. He is the lion of God from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, who we see in Revelations, the fifth chapter, who has the authority to release the seven seals. He is king of kings. He is Lord of lords. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end. Who is, who was, and who is to come, he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the light of the world. He is the bread of life. He is the true vine. He is the good shepherd. He is the door. And yes, he is the great I am. The apostle Paul, you know what he said? He said, and the heavenly father has given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee one day will bow of things in heaven, of things on the earth, and things under the earth. And every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of the Father. That's why we're here tonight. A friend of mine gave me a a song, and I was flipping through and I found this other song. And during my quiet time, I've asked the praise team to lead us in this song and every day now for about two or three weeks in my quiet time because it's all about Good Friday and I want you, when you sing it tonight, I want you to sing it from your heart, from your soul and listen, listen to these words and sing it like you really mean it thank you for the cross Lord thank you for the price you paid bearing all my sin and shame in love you came and gave amazing grace Thank you for this love, Lord. Thank you for the nail-pierced hands. Wash me in your cleansing blood. Now I know your forgiveness. Worthy is the Lamb. Thou art worthy. Seated on the throne. High and lifted up, Jesus, Son of God. So let's really sing it out tonight, all right? So let's everyone stand up, and let's, let's finish with this song. the fourth chapter and we're gonna read from verses 1 through 7 if you don't have a Bible with you tonight you can look in the chair maybe in front and there might be a Bible there I'm going to speak for just a few minutes on the topic mine hour has come mine hour has come the Old Testament prophets along with Moses They spoke of that future hour that I had mentioned earlier, that God's Son would come to this earth and die on the cross for our sins, and then he would be raised for our justification. And in the Old Testament, they had all types of copies, shadows, and types, and pictures of this coming of our Lord. Isaiah, David in the book of Psalms, Malachi spoke of that future hour. And one of those types is Joseph. Two or three weeks ago, I had the privilege to go down to a church down in the south. And two of my three eight-year-old, uh, two of my three-year-old grandsons were in a musical. And it was all about the life of Joseph Nicholas he had the lead part he was Joseph and Zachary who was born 15 minutes later was Jacob his father (laughs) and I was so proud of them they they, you, you can imagine I was sitting in the front row with Dolores and the rest of the family and I was alone in my thoughts and I thought of Joseph and I thought of Jesus how that Joseph was sent there at exactly the right hour. For you see, the entire nation of Israel would have been wiped out because of that famine. And Joseph spoke these words to his brothers. You meant it for evil, but God, he meant it for good, to preserve life. In fact, in Genesis, the 45th chapter, Three times Joseph says, God sent me here to preserve life. And when I was sitting there alone there on the front row, I thought of how God the Father had determined an hour in which his son would come at exactly the right time to save us and to give us eternal life. There was another man that spoke about that hour. His name was the Apostle Paul. And he spoke of it several times. And one of the places that he spoke about it was in this Galatians, the fourth chapter. And I would like to read with you from Galatians, the fourth chapter, verses one through seven. And notice how he speaks concerning that future hour. Now I say, as long as the heir is a child, He does not differ at all from a slave, although he is owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by the father. So also we, while we were children, were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, under the law, so that he might redeem those Who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into the hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Father, I just love you so much. Father, I thank you for doing such a mighty work in my heart. Father, I just pray that I'll get out of the way. Father, I pray that we, as a church family, will just see you tonight and see your son. Thank you for coming at exactly the right hour. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. You will notice that in this passage, Paul is addressing the amazing grace that God has given to us, to all of us that have placed our faith in Jesus Christ. And in this passage, he says, he tells us what we were, he tells us what God did, and then he tells us what we are. What we were, we were children in bondage from verse three. We had no privileges and no rights. We were children in bondage. But then, when God did a work in our life, this is what God did. In verses four and five, it says he redeemed us. That word redeem means buying a slave to freedom. In other words, we were children under bondage and then because of the work that Jesus did on the cross we became free men with all of the rights to the kingdom and then what, what did we become it says there in verses 6 and 7 you are now sons and heirs no longer children no longer slaves without any rights or privileges But now you are sons and heirs to the kingdom. Last Good Friday, a young man that's here tonight, as a child, became a son. He became an heir on Good Friday. His name is Scotty. With all the rights and the privileges. See, the Apostle Paul is sharing with the church at Galatia God's divine plan for redemption. And he is telling them, that Christ came at a time determined by God. Look at verse four. It says, when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, under the law, that he might redeem mankind. And then what does Paul do in verses one and two? He uses an illustration. If you lived during the first century in Galatia, which was under the Roman rule at that time, you would understand this illustration that he's making to us. It is an illustration of a child coming of age. A Roman child was raised by slaves. In verse 2, they were called guardians and managers. The Roman father might be out doing business. He had no privileges. That child had no privileges. He was no better than that slave. But when the father recognized that a child came of age and he was going in to become a man, they had a ceremony. It was called toga virilis. They would invite the whole family and everyone. And they would celebrate him coming into manhood. So Paul uses this illustration to point out in verse 2 But he, the child, is under guardians and managers until the date set by the father. The father, the earthly father, determined when that son was going into manhood. Paul is saying here in this passage of scripture that our heavenly father, he set the date. Yes, even before the foundation of this world, he set the date for the salvation of mankind for those who place their trust in Jesus. When the fullness of time came, what he is saying at the right hour. So you may say, Bill, what do you mean by the right hour? The Bible speaks of when Jesus Christ went to the cross, It said that he died on the cross for your sins and for mine, that he was buried He was raised the third day. That's called the resurrection. He was raised for our justification, the scriptures say. Then he was on earth for 40 days. Uh, He was seen on at least 11 different occasions by over 500 people. And then he ascended into heaven. And the Hebrew writer tells us that now he sat down at the right hand of the Father and he is interceding for you and for me right now. That is called the hour when he went to the cross and to the ascension. See, Paul even spoke about it a different time. Over in Romans, the fifth chapter and verse six, he got through in Romans, the fourth chapter, talking about Abraham. Abraham was saved by faith, not any of his works, you know, not trying to be a good person. He was saved by his faith. And then he says in verse 1, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. And then in verse 6, he says, for while we were still helpless at the right time, at the right time, at the right hour, Christ died for the ungodly. So, Paul looked back at that hour when he wrote this, these scriptures, it was 14 years after the cross. He looked back. The four gospel writers wrote of our Lord's three-year ministry here on earth. And his coming hour. So, I want you to travel back with me. Travel back with me as we travel with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we look at the events leading up to that hour that he spoke about. And as you go, you will see that Jesus is truly God, that he is sovereign, that he was in control of every step that he took during that short three-year ministry, and that he is omniscient, which is one of the attributes of God. He knows everything, and you will see that as we take this journey. For you see, Jesus had only a short three-year ministry in Galilee, Samaria, and Judea, from the Sea of Galilee to the Dead Sea. And he started his ministry right after his time in the wilderness. He was invited to a wedding, and he turned the water into wine, and he told his mother, no it's not time it's not time mother My hour has not yet come it's not time for me to go to Jerusalem it's not time for me to go to the cross on another occasion he was with his brothers and his brother said let's go to Jerusalem to the feast of the tabernacles and he said no when I go up now I'm going up secretly I'll go to the temple I'll go to the synagogue I'll go to the treasury you can go up publicly but I am going secretly for he said mine hour has not fully come then on many occasions the religious leaders tried to kill him one time they took him out of the synagogue they took him up to a cliff and they tried to throw him over that cliff but the scripture says no man seized him no man laid his hands on him because his hour had not yet come, the scripture says. See, it was not in God's timetable. He would not allow it. Jesus was in full control. As a young boy, some of the fondest memories I had have as a child is every Saturday night, my sister and my two parents and I, on Saturday night, we would study our Sunday school lessons and then go to church the next Sunday morning it was really a precious time for me and I learned so much about the Bible during those years and as I look back I said how could those terrible men do those things to my Lord and they put him on the cross as just as a young boy I didn't understand how could they do those terrible things without realizing and then I my dad said Bill turn to John the tenth chapter And there, my dad pointed out to me that God, God's son, was in full control. In verse 15 of John, the 10th chapter, he says these words, I lay down my life for the sheep. It's in that context where he is speaking as the good shepherd. He is speaking as the door. And then in verse 18, listen to these words. I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again, and that's exactly what he did. As you watch his steps towards Jerusalem and the cross, and now it's towards the end of his 3-year ministry, and all of a sudden now he knows, he knows it's it's time. And if you'll Look in Luke, the ninth chapter, in verse 51. He's going to turn now, and he's going to head for Jerusalem, and he's not going to go to the left. He's not going to go to the right. He is now going to go publicly to Jerusalem because God the Father had sent him. In Luke, the ninth chapter, in verse 51, listen to these words from the New American Standard. As Luke writes, when the days were approaching for his ascension, he knew it was time for him to go to the cross and for him to ascend back to the throne. When the days were approaching for his ascension, listen to these words, he resolutely set his face to go to Jerusalem and he sent messengers on ahead of him. I love the way the King James Version says it. Listen to it out of the King James. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up. That's his ascension. That he steadfastly set his face to be to go to Jerusalem to the cross. The closest I can come to that that it's ever been in my life wherever I from a personal standpoint wherever I've been that determined was back in 1961 there were eight other guys that all we had to do all we had to do was win three more games and they said you go to Santa Maria and you're gonna be state champions and I can remember there was only nine of us left And when I read that passage of Scripture, I could see the determination from our Lord. I can see His resolve. And I can remember myself being resolved. And and I set my face towards Santa Maria that day. But think of the Lord. He was determined. He knew. He was in control of everything. The Roman Empire, they were not in control under control. For you see in Mark the 10th chapter, we see the omniscience of our Lord. He even tells exactly, he tells it to his men exactly what's going to happen. He's on his way to Jerusalem now. So look at Mark the 10th chapter in verse 32 through 34 and listen to his words. Listen to the words of John Mark they were on the road going up to Jerusalem. For you see, it was 2,500 feet elevation. So you were most of the time were going up to Jerusalem. And Jesus was walking on ahead of him. He was walking on ahead. I can see it right now. He was determined and he was walking and his face was set for Jerusalem and his men were behind him. The only way I can put this is when Dolores and I go to a sporting event. I'm about five or 10 paces ahead of Dolores. Now when we go shopping, (laughs) I'm 10 paces behind and I'm waiting for a chair. But I can see, I can see our Lord's determination. He's walking ahead of him. His men knows we're going into enemy territory we're going to Jerusalem. They knew that they were going into in enemy territory, but they did not know that he was going to the cross. And Jesus was walking on ahead of them, and they were amazed. And those who followed were fearful. And listen to these words. And again, he took the 12 aside and began to tell them what was going to happen to him. He begins to tell them. He's, he, they just don't have it in their minds somehow. But it says here, and again he took the 12 aside. He told them the same thing in chapter 8, chapter 9, and now he's telling it in chapter 10 of Mark. And listen, how prophetic. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man, Jesus, will be delivered to the chief priests and scribes, Annas, Caiaphas. And they will condemn him to death. Six mock trials. And will hand him over to the Gentiles, the Roman Empire, Pontius Pilate. They will mock him. They will spit on him, scourge him, kill him. And three days later, he will rise again he's on his way to Jerusalem. And then in John the 12th chapter, he arrives at Jerusalem. Just days before he had raised Lazarus at Bethany. And now we see his triumphal entry. Before he went secretly. Now there are throngs of crowds that have come into Jerusalem because it is a time of the Passover. They've come from Galilee, Samaria, Judea, There are thousands there. And in Zechariah 9, 9 says that our Lord would go in on a colt. And he went on a colt. And the people were throwing down palm branches. And they were throwing garments on the ground. And he made his triumphal entry. And even the Pharisees in verse 19 says, Look, the whole world has gone after him. Oh, how quickly it's going to change in just a few days and then you come to verse 23 and listen to how the language has changed, it's no longer mine hour has not yet come in verse 23 it says the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified and he has everything in detail he sends his men ahead he says there's going to be a person with a pitcher of water, we're going to stay at his house and we're going to go into the upper room In Matthew, the 26th chapter, and verse 18. Go into the city, Jerusalem, to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is near. I am to keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And now he is in the upper room. It is Thursday night. He has washed his men's feet. And now he's getting ready to take the Passover meal. And he says one more time, he's going to say, I've got to tell these men again, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to suffer tomorrow. And they just don't get it. In the book of Luke, the 22nd chapter, at verse 14, listen to Luke, how he writes, when the hour had come for the Passover meal, He reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall never again eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Christ's death on the following day fulfilled the symbolism of this Passover meal he was crying with a loud voice I am that Passover lamb you all remember when the Israelites were in Egypt and the Lord said I want you Israelites I want you to take an unblemished lamb make sure that none of the bones are broken should be one year old sacrifice it put the blood on the doorpost and over the lintel and when I see the blood I will pass over. It's through the blood of Jesus Christ that we have forgiveness of sins and that we have eternal life. And so now he knows he's not going to be here. He knows tomorrow he's going to the cross. So he, said, he tries to comfort his men. And in John the 14th chapter, he, he speaks these words says let not your hearts be troubled you believe in God believe also in me for in my house are many rooms if it were not so I would have told you I'm going to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you will be also and Thomas speaks out he says Lord where are you going we don't know the way And then he spoke these words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. And then in verse 19, it's a scripture that the reason why we're all here tonight. Because I live, you will live also. He speaks those words. And then he turns to his men in that upper room and he speaks that high priestly prayer. Can you imagine being there? Here, God the Son is praying to God the Father concerning that hour. And the Son, he li- it says He lifts His eyes to heaven in John the 17th chapter. He says, from being, listen to this, lifting up His eyes to heaven, He said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify Your Son, that the Son may glorify You, even as You gave Him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. When J. Vernon McGee read those words, he could not contain himself. He wrote these words in response to this passage. Listen to J. Vernon McGee as he speaks of his Savior. As Jesus speaks... The clock is striking the hour that was set way back in eternity because He was the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. It was arranged back there. Now the hour has come, the hour when He would pay for your sins and mine. It is the hour when all creation of God will see the love of God displayed and lavished as He takes your sins and my sins upon Himself and dies a vicarious, substitutionary, redemptive death for you and for me. And it won't end there. It will go on to the resurrection. Then the Son will be raised from the dead, ascend back to heaven, and given a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow to Him. So Jesus, the Son of God, His hour has now come. Moses and the Old Testament prophets, they spoke about it. Now it's here. Jesus, the Son of God, begins to fulfill God the Father's plan. He goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, and there he's in such agony that he, he prays, Father, if it be thy will, let this hour pass from me. Judas comes with the Roman cohort. They seize him. And early in those mornings, he goes through those six mock trials. They take a reed across his face. They spit in his face. They put a crown of thorns on his head. Nothing quite so beautiful as this, as as Diane put together. What a beautiful job she did. But they crushed the, uh, the thorns down. They gave him 39 lashes. And then he began his journey down the Via Della Rosa, the way of suffering, some two kilometers. Simon and Cyrene carries the cross. And then he arrives at the place of the skull, Golgotha. We know it as Mount Calvary. Jesus is crucified. His first words out of his mouth, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Paul told them, he told the Corinthians, if the rulers of that age knew what they were doing, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. And then as what they always do, they place an inscription above It was put in Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. And it was Pilate's view. Because in the Roman Empire, they crucified many people. And the crime was always put on the top so it would be a deterrent to others not to have that crime. But Pilate put on there, this is Jesus, the Nazarene, King of the Jews. I like what John the Baptist said when Jesus started his ministry. John the Baptist saw Jesus coming from a distance, and as he came, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the, the world. Just look upon me and, you, and have faith in me, and all your sins can be paid for. And then he was there from 9 o'clock in the morning to 12 o'clock, in the afternoon and suddenly there was darkness on the face of the earth at 12 o'clock and then came 3 o'clock my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? he was bearing your sins and my sins then he spoke these words what we've been talking about, his hour his hour is finished, it is finished Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. It is finished. The hour had come. The price for our redemption had been paid. The sacrifice for our sin has been made. Eternal life was now offered for all those who place their faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus' hour had come. It is finished. That's what the communion table is all about. The communion table is all about the cross. When he was in that upper room, he spoke these words to his men. I want you to take, I want you to take the bread. And when you take the bread... with Some... For I received from the Lord that which I also deliver to you that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me in the same way he took the cup also after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, I just thank you for the cross. Thank you for shedding your blood for us, for your amazing love. Father, be with us now as we reverently remember you as we take of the bread and as we take of the cup. Father, I just pray that it's acceptable into your sight and that we remember and that we show your death until you come again. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.